You're listening to the Domecast, where news and observer journalists take a look back and forward in North Carolina politics. And welcome to another edition of Domecast. I'm Jordan Schrader, hosting this week, and with me are Colin Campbell, Lynn Bonner, and Craig Jarvis, all of the News and Observer. Uh, this week, we had a potential deal on House Bill 2 fizzle out. We had a uh, somewhat rare uh, win for the Republican General Assembly in court with the law allowing magistrates to opt out of same-sex marriage upheld in court uh, for uh, procedural reasons related to standing. And we had Donald Trump in North Carolina. Um, but the big news of the week all was uh, at least started outside of politics. We had uh, we have flooding on the coast. We uh, had uh, people inconvenienced uh, not being able to find gas because of uh, a pipeline leak in Alabama, uh, causing a lot of uh, headaches. And then, of course, toward the end of the week, we had the uh, the biggest news. Uh, which was the aftermath of uh, a shooting, a fatal shooting in Charlotte, shooting of Keith Lamont Scott, uh, and uh, the protests and riots that followed that. Uh, There's been political fallout from that, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit first, and then we'll talk about uh, um, what happened with HB2 this week, and uh, we'll wrap up with headliner of the week. Uh, so in Charlotte, uh, we're not able to see the uh, video of uh, the shooting uh, of Scott, and that's revived talk about the new body cams uh, law. Um, Lynn, you've been looking into this. Uh, the body cams law doesn't actually apply to what happened in Charlotte, right? It does not. Um, the law doesn't take effect until October 1st, but um, it sort of brings into relief what the law is now and, and how it will change. That law um, was passed overwhelmingly in the legislature, but there, uh, before the governor signed it, there were some growing calls for repeal. Um, I think what's happening now in Charlotte is sort of sort of brings to light what the situation is. Um, the uh, As it is now, um, it, we the public rarely sees um, body cam and uh, dash cam footage, even though around the country is becoming more common. We can just look at what happened in Oklahoma. Oklahoma has um, a law that says that um, footage like that is public record. And uh, very soon after that shooting, uh, we saw um, both helicopter and then later dash cam footage of of that shooting. Um, North Carolina, uh, it's neither, uh, it it is not a public record right now. Um, And uh, the new law says it's not public record or part of a personnel file. What happens now is usually uh, when the when the video is requested, um, the chief will say or, or the the sheriff will say, uh, "Well, it's part of a personnel file," or as the chief in Charlotte has said today, um, it's uh, part of an active investigation. So um, now we rarely see it, although this new law it, it, now people who even 
vote, voted for it said it it has flaws. Um, this new law um, gives people a way to have the footage released if they uh, get a judge to agree. Um, a court order has to be filed. Um, and there really is no discretion um, for anyone in the law. If, the, if a police chief wants to release uh, the video publicly, the police have to get a court order. Um, the, under the law, the, uh, the person who is the subject of the video or their agents, a lawyer, family, can view the video, but they cannot copy it, take it, um, sort of the way uh, the situation with, with um, the Scott family this week. Uh, but again, you know, with all of the calls for uh, releasing the video from now from the family, uh, the mayor said uh, she would prefer to have it released. Uh, and still with the uh, police chief saying, no, it won't be, um, it sort of brings to the forefront, okay, what is our t- situation with, with police video? Yeah. And uh, who's been, uh, uh, who, if anybody, has been saying that the law should be, should get another look? Well, uh, Joel Ford, um, who is a, a, a senator uh, in Charlotte who voted for the law, um, said it was, um, it should be reconsidered. Um, he is actually calling for the release of the video, um, saying that uh, the um, the lack of the lack of release is really fueling fueling a lot of the protests. I mean, we saw protesters chanting for the release of the video. Um, but one of the bill sponsors uh, in the House said, "Well, how can we criticize a law we don't even know if it's working or not?" So um, there's going to be uh, you know, this going to be more attentive to this, I'm sure, uh, in the long session, um, uh, especially if there's, um, if someone requests, goes to court and requests the release of the video. It'll be interesting to see how this works, because at least sometimes we have been able to get these kind of videos through a public records request, even though I think it's usually not until quite a while after the incident. I'm thinking of the, the, the series that Mandy Locke did for the NNO right. uh, about uh, problems in Harnett County where uh, we were able to get this um, video of uh, a man being uh, stunned with, with taser, a taser right. uh, in an evidence or in a uh, holding room mm-hmm. and, and died. Uh, and uh, pretty, uh, um, you know, uh, eye-opening video, and and she got that through public records request. Right. Whereas now, uh, that would have to go to court, to and the court, judge right. could say, "Sure, right. release it." But there are um, uh, there are potential uh, arguments that that could be made uh, by a judge for for withholding that, such as I think damage to someone's reputation is exactly. is in there as an yeah. exemption. Are there are there are others probably? Yeah, there. I think um, there are seven or eight others. So okay. right. Yeah. So, well, it'll be interesting, but it does it does also provide, a, I guess, an avenue to get this released if the law if law enforcement is is saying no way and a judge overrules them. So right. it could could kind of work both ways. It, it reminds me that uh, it used to be that nine one one calls were not particularly 
public record. It was a new thing. You kind of had to, to fight for it each time. Now they just automatically come out uh, all the time. At least here in Raleigh, they put them out very quickly. But I know 20 years ago, you had to go start convincing people along the chain of command and then get a copy of it from the dispatch room. And uh, uh, But now it's just become commonplace. But at one time, once again, was uh, a lot of people were opposed to the idea of that. Sure. Okay. Well, uh, other than related to the video and to police body cams, um, what's been the political response to to this, Colin? Uh, so we've had, I know McCrory and Cooper have both canceled other events to to go either go to Charlotte or at least deal with the fallout uh, in Charlotte, and a bunch of other politicians have been holding press conferences and making statements. So what, what have people been saying about yeah, this? Yeah, so uh, McCrory has obviously been on a lot of uh, national TV shows. This is sort of a, any, anytime the state's in crisis, the sitting governor gets to kind of be the, um, uh, the voice of, of action, I guess, in, in some respects. Obviously, he called the, the state of emergency at the request of the, the Charlotte police chief. Um, there's been some tension, I think, between uh, the governor and, and Republicans and uh, Charlotte Mayor Jennifer Roberts, who's a Democrat. They've been sparring over over House Bill 2 for quite some time now, and that seems to have uh, filtered a little bit into uh, some of the negotiations about this. Uh, Dallas Woodhouse at the Republican Party uh, has been critical of, of Robert's uh, leadership. He's claiming that uh, McCrory would have liked to have a, a state of emergency earlier in the day on, on whatever day this week that was declared, but uh, it ended up not being until night that Charlotte leaders did that. So there's a bit of uh, blame and finger pointing there. Uh, we saw McCrory canceled some events this week, and he's been sort of focused on that, but also on the gas shortage and the flooding. So, uh, I think he has a press conference Friday afternoon to to talk about our, our trifecta of disaster things this week. And uh, Cooper got in on the gas shortage, too, uh, yeah, based he, on uh, uh, gas stations that were supposedly— Yeah, he's been uh, prosecuting some of the gas stations that are violating price gouging laws. I think he— has uh, heard hundreds of complaints from people who think that uh, certain gas stations have jacked up their prices, but has actually filed actions against a couple of them where they raised the price to $4 a gallon when the, the demand uh, got up pretty high uh, during that process. So he's been involved in that. Uh, Cooper, again, was, I think, supposed to appear at the same education event this week uh, as McCrory was. Uh, he canceled last minute and uh, said he would be traveling to Charlotte in the, the press release, uh, but we haven't seen any, uh, at least but to my knowledge, any public appearances by Cooper in Charlotte as of yet. Yeah, I think they they said he was meeting with you know key figures and didn't have anything public planned yet. So we'll see if. Yeah, and it's gotten attention from the presidential candidates. I understand Hillary Clinton called um, Jennifer Roberts um, to uh, offer her. Uh, encouragement, I guess, in, in the situation. Uh, meanwhile, in, in true partisan fashion, uh, Donald Trump calls uh, Pat McCrory and, and instead of the mayor to uh, offer his encouragement and, and tell him what a good job he's doing, I think was the something on the tweet. But the uh, I guess the, the most interesting reaction we got out of anybody was uh, Congressman Robert Pittenger, who is not a terribly well-known figure in the rest of the state, where outside of his district, which is Charlotte and some counties around there, he went on a British program called BBC Newsnight yesterday uh, to talk about the events in Charlotte. He'd been making a number of cable TV appearances, um, and he starts out the interview. Um, he's asked sort of what the what the concern, the grievance was of the the people protesting in Charlotte, uh, and initially he 
brought up Lyndon Johnson's Great Society program, uh, which he said was uh, created a sort of a culture of dependency, a welfare state, that sort of thing. And and, and so the interview sort of back interviewer backs up and says, "Well, wait a minute. I'm I'm pretty sure these people aren't down there protesting Lyndon Johnson. What do you think really is you know the, on their mind is a grievance?" And and then he says the now memorable line that he thinks that protesters are protesting because they hate white people because white people are successful and they're not. So that was a statement that uh, raised a lot of eyebrows, mine included, um, and once that was uh, became public, uh, it was pretty quickly denounced by uh, a lot of people, uh, both in the political world and, and outside, um, who believed that that was a, a blatantly racist statement um, and uh, were, were very upset to, to hear his take on it, worried that he was going to make the situation in, in Charlotte even worse. Uh, he later apologized, said that uh, it's not what he meant, that he was quoting someone, which I think he's he, later in the interview when you get to see the full version, uh, he says that the brother of the victim said something to that effect, which I don't believe I've seen in the news anyone of the protesters uh, denouncing white people as, as their rationale for protesting. But evidently that was how Pittenger viewed it. So he's been denounced. He's been trying to apologize for it. But uh, it's been interesting to see the reaction. And I should note that there wasn't much of a reaction from fellow Republicans, with I think the exception of uh, state legislator Chuck McGrady, who uh, joined uh, some Democrats in uh, saying the, the statement was uh, absolutely wrong. Um, but we reached out to uh, Pat McCrory's people as well as uh, Senator Tillis and Senator Burr's folks to see if they uh, agreed with the statement or, or wanted to, to denounce it and, and got no response. So we'll be interested to see if there's any more follow-up for the, uh, from this statement and whether it impacts that race at all. Of course, it's a, uh, like most districts in this state and on Congress, it's gerrymandered. So whether this will give his Democratic opponent any uh, extra momentum um, going the last couple of months of the, the race, it's hard to say. Sure, it'll uh, it'll get a lot of attention. Whatever it is, I, I bet I can imagine some some attack ads that might be cut uh, featuring that quote prominently, um, if the opponent is even in the position to yeah uh, create I did it, such a thing. I, I, I had a hard time getting up with him yesterday. I think I eventually heard from his campaign later, and they said he wants to to speak out about it uh, on on today Friday. Uh, so we'll we'll see what he has to say. He looks like an interesting guy. All his uh, pictures on his website, he's wearing a cowboy hat. So. Uh, could be an interesting race if people start paying attention to it. Sure. Um, and then I should say that uh, there was also uh, um, uh, a press conference by the Congressional Black Caucus and uh, G.K. Butterfield and Alma Adams both uh, spoke out uh, not only about uh, um, the shooting and body cameras, um, but uh, Alma Adams at least saying that um, she was called for uh, uh, the a federal investigation of the Charlotte Mecklenburg uh, Police Department practices. Um, so we've had a lot of uh, a lot of political reaction uh, to the events there. Anything else we should should say in the about the fallout from Charlotte? Uh, if not, uh, Craig, maybe you can talk a little bit about uh, some of the other news we had this week, which was uh, the continued fallout from uh, HB two and the decisions by the ACC and the NCAA. Uh, to pull games out of North Carolina. Uh, what what happened toward the beginning of the week uh, uh, on that? Yeah, uh, the same week that uh, before Charlotte erupted in uh, protest and violence, uh, earlier in the week, 
the news was still in Charlotte, which was there was apparently a deal on the table on HB2 that if the Charlotte City Council would rescind its ordinance, which had which prompted HB2, uh, that the legislature would uh, repeal the law. Or at least that was the broad outlines as presented by the uh, Lodging and Restaurant Association. Um, kind of similar to what had been on the table all along. Um, but uh, in this case, I think there was a sense that with the, the impact of the NCAA and the ACC, uh, it just seemed like maybe there was a window, that there was a lot of momentum. Like everybody was saying, this is getting bad. This is starting to hurt in a lot of ways. Um, but it quickly fell apart, I mean, for a number of reasons. One, the partisan politics came into play. Uh, Democrats didn't want the Charlotte City Council to back down. They wanted them to keep that law in the books, uh, I guess hoping that HB2 will be thrown out by the courts at some point. Uh, and then the uh, social conservatives were were outraged that they would even consider, that the legislature would even consider getting rid of HB2. Uh, and in fact, there hadn't been any caucus meetings. We don't really know how much support there even might have been for that at the legislature. It was like I said, and everybody was talking in broad terms about what might happen, but it was clear from Senator Berger and from uh, House Speaker Moore that uh, you know they had a lot of, they weren't really promising anything. They, they were saying there's a lot, of, a lot we can look at here, but um, you know they didn't say we're gonna come back and repeal HB2, that's for sure. At this point, what does it look like? What, what's possible outcome for HB2? Um, is it likely to be decided by the courts? Is there still a, a glimmer of uh, possibility that, that the legislature could do something? Is it going to wait till after the election? Uh, where, where do you see it? I think yes to all of those. Uh, the legislature, will, I think, will take a look at it when they come back next year. At least there was some talk, even Speaker Moore, uh, said that there was, you know, they, they needed to take a look at, at, at some of the implications. You know, like, w what do we need to do to address things like the uh, basketball and athletic pullouts? Uh, that seemed to be something that everybody kind of agrees on. What can we do about that? You know, the bathroom part of it is, is in their mind, just a far-out crazy provision that they don't want to touch. Uh, you know, but there'll be some discussions around some parts of HB2. There will also be, there are lawsuits progressing, and there's a good chance that... Uh, that uh, the, the judges will dissect that in various ways. Yeah, and I should point out that, um, you know, this, this whole compromise this past week has been a bit of a political game of chicken that uh, I, I think sort of serves uh, for, for Republicans and in particular for the governor to allow to put some blame on the, the Charlotte City Council. There's really nothing if, if the legislative leaders want to come back and they want to say, well, you know, HB2 is causing problems, let's get rid of HB2. But we still really feel strongly that the Charlotte ordinance's provision on uh, transgender bathroom use is wrong. Uh, they're sort of the final say on, on what city laws are. So they could easily come back, get rid of HB2, but at the same time pass something that effectively kills the Charlotte ordinance. But the uh, desire seemed to be to require Charlotte to act first, and only then would they consider having a, a special session. So I think that's uh, will be interesting to see if they, they try to push something like that. Uh, once the, the regular session starts or whether um, it, it'll still be uh, politically convenient just to kind of say, you know, Charlotte needs to go first and all this. Yeah, there wasn't a lot, a lot of trust on either side. I mean, the, you know, the, the legislature was saying, we, you know, we don't want to be repealing unless, you know, we, Charlotte might just, I didn't Skip Stam say that any, somewhere, that the Charlotte might come back with a whole new ordinance doing the same thing. But you could say the same thing about the legislature. From Charlotte's perspective, they rescind their... Uh, ordinance, there's no guarantee what the legislature might do. Hard to believe that the legislature would uh, 
pass HB2 again, though, uh, knowing no. everything they No, I, I they don't know. think they never saw this this kind of blowback coming. I think everybody from the governor on down admits that, and uh, it's definitely a third rail kind of thing. Sure. Well, we had we ran an interesting uh, uh, little uh Frequently asked questions, I guess, uh, piece from the Charlotte Observer over the weekend that looked at some of the possibilities and you know, mentions the fact that, that we don't know what the courts will do. It's possible that they would uh, only throw out the, the bathroom part of the law, which is the key uh, part that's uh, being challenged, although uh, I believe the ACLU and the Justice Department has asked for the whole law to be thrown out. Um, but that you know, it could leave a big chunk of the law, and, and in some ways the more... Uh, uh, important part of the law that that uh, says cities and local governments can't have these kind of anti-discrimination ordinances different from from state law and the NCAA has made it pretty clear that at least they are uh, concerned as much about that as as the bathrooms um, so it's and of course it could also uh, um, you know it, it could be that the the NCAA um, still stands firm even if the bathroom portion were to go so um, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, going forward. Anything else about HB two we should uh, we should talk about? I think if I don't think so, I, I will go out on a limb and, and boldly predict that we'll be talking about this next session uh, still. Though, yeah, there's been a desire to have uh, one of the compromise proposals during the short session that didn't succeed involved uh, the creation of some sort of blue ribbon commission to study, you know, how do you define gender identity discrimination and sexual orientation and that sort of thing. And uh, so I, I kind of think we might see something to that effect uh, show up in the, the long session in, in January. But whether it goes anywhere and, and whether it makes anybody happy on either side of this, I kind of doubt it. Both sides are pretty entrenched at this point. We saw a slew of polls this week, and so we we're starting to see a little bit of what the impact of this might be in the governor's race. But some of those polls were taken, I think, before the, the decisions came down and, and others there were questions about. So it, and it's kind of showing results that are all over the map. McCrory's uh, up in several, uh, probably within the margin of error. Uh, Cooper's up in, in some. So it seems like it's still pretty unclear uh, where that where that race is other than still pretty close, right? Yeah, I, I think that's the, the struggle with looking at these polls. Uh, we get a new one almost every day now. Uh, some of them are from uh, ideological-oriented groups like public policy polling on the left or Civitas on the right, uh, and they often have results that sort of favor those sides, but all of them are so close, and some of them really uh, go back and forth. There's some polls that show Roy Cooper way up. There's some that show you know three or four-point leads for, for Pat McCrory. Uh, the presidential race here has been in a dead heat for some time now. Uh, the U.S. Senate race, while I think still somewhat favoring Richard Burr, is getting closer and closer in, in a lot of the polls. So every time we get a poll out, there's a tendency to want to look at you know a two-point margin and say, look, uh, this candidate's up this week. But in reality, I think all three of our top races in the state are a toss-up, and I kind of think it's going to stay that way all the way through the end. I think the other consistent finding, correct me if I'm wrong, is that HB2 is unpopular and has remained unpopular throughout all the polling. All right. Well, I think that's uh, that about does it other than uh, our headliner of the week. So I hope you'll stay around for that, and uh, we'll be right back with headliner of the week. Today, my new dad threw a barbecue. I burnt everything. And then we played catch. I broke Mr. Lewis's window. And then, somehow, my hand. My hand! And then my dad even let me drive his car. The hospital's on the right! 
It was a rough day. It was a great day. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of kids in foster care will take you just as you are. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Who is your headliner of the week? Who is your headliner of the week? Who is your headliner of the week? Headliner of the week. And Domecast is back with Headliner of the Week, where we talk about who is the most influential or important person, place, thing, idea in the news this week. Uh, Craig, who's your headliner of the week? Uh, Representative Marilyn Avila from uh, Wake County. She is proposing a uh, a substantial look at the SBI, or not the SBI, but the state crime lab uh, on the heels of a report that came out, a national report showing real problems in forensic evidence uh, across the country. Of course, the the political aspect of all this is uh, her opponent in the uh, re-election, her re-election this year is uh, the former director of the crime lab, uh, Joe John. And uh, also she made the remarks at a GOP event that was meant to once again hammer at Roy Cooper for mostly past problems at the crime lab. But uh, she kind of veered from that, and so that gets her a nomination for the week. It's kind of interesting to have uh, Republicans essentially making hay out of a report about criminal defendants uh, essentially um, not getting – uh, the evidence against criminal defendants not being very, uh, very strong or um, flawed criminal. Right. Uh, it's certainly evidence. not the, an issue that the the di- district attorneys, uh, you know, champion as a uh, because one of the criticisms is that these labs have been just prone to be prosecution arms all along anyway and not truly independent. And that's something that uh, Cooper contends that he's tried to uh, he's tried to uh, establish that kind of standard in his lab. Okay. Well, Marin, Marilyn Avila, a former chemist, right? Uh, she is a chemist. That's right. So she knows something about forensics, and and uh, she's, so she speaks with some authority. So Marilyn Avila in the hat for headliner of the week. Colin, who's your headliner of the week? Well, I am going to go uh, my old tried-and-true inanimate route uh, and pick the town of Kenansville, North Carolina, the town of just 800 people down in Duplin County that ended up being the, the center of national attention just for a couple hours earlier this week when they hosted uh, Donald Trump for president rally down there. Um, it sort of shows Trump's uh, desire to try to uh, get some some energy among the the very rural parts of North Carolina that are are, are likely to form a, a pretty big part of his base. Uh, also, was a, a noteworthy event for the uh, statement he made that uh, African American communities are worse off now than they've ever been in history, which uh, I believe uh, Politifact has rated a pants on fire uh, untruth. Um, uh, particularly in- interesting given he said that in Keenansville, which is a town named for a guy named James Keenan who owned a ton of slaves back in the day. Uh, so apparently not really uh, being aware of his surroundings and, and the general history of this country at all. Uh, so to Keenansville for, for having this event, it actually shut down schools uh, early. Uh, the, the entire community sort of shut down knowing that Trump was coming to town and they thought there was going to be a traffic nightmare. Okay, so Keenansville. Uh, I wonder if uh, a major presidential candidate has 
when the last time a major presidential candidate went to a town of 800 people? I don't know. Um, the Associated Press had a story about how unusual it was that he was going down there. And they actually interviewed a guy there and they asked him, so when was the last time you had a you know major campaign, presidential campaign event? And he's like, well, I, I think Eleanor Roosevelt might have come here in like the 30s or 40s. <laughs> All right, Keenansville, Duplin County. Uh, in the hat for headliner of the week, a place, the rare place uh, to be a nominee for headliner of the week. Uh, Will, who's your headliner of the week? Well, mine is Keith Scott for obvious reasons. Um, his shooting death in Charlotte has turned it into a you know national and international headlines. He's just unfortunately the latest person whose name has become synonymous with police shootings in this country um but it's kind of you know put this spotlight on charlotte with all of the protests and riots that have happened afterwards and it's put a spotlight on the state's new uh body cam bill as that has become a a hotly contested issue here with the family calling for its release and the police chief saying that he has no intention to do so um so for myriad reasons um keith scott okay Keith Lamont Scott in the hat for Headliner of the Week. Uh, Lynn, who's your headliner? I'll take uh, Jennifer Roberts, mayor of Charlotte. I mean, she's been at uh, the confluence or near um, confluence of major news um, this week. First for the supposed deal on HB2, which was what she said, had, had a press conference saying earlier this week saying that that was a no-go. Um, and then um, for the Charlotte shooting, of course, Keith Lamont Scott is at the center of that story, but um, certainly she's been um, in the news uh, constantly since then um, because of the protests, the curfew, uh, the video and response to the video. Um, so I'll, uh, I'll go for Mayor Roberts. All right, Jennifer Roberts, mayor of Charlotte, in the hat. Uh, well, and uh, Will Doran has just ducked out. He's uh, headed down to uh, Scotland County to do some reporting for a story. Uh, so uh, he won't be able to hear that uh, he's won the headliner of the week. Uh, I do think Keith Lamont Scott is sort of the uh, the, the basis of so much of the, um, the big news this week. And even though it's not a political story, uh, didn't start out as a political story, it's certainly going to have a lot of impact on uh, on politics in the uh, city of Charlotte and in the state and uh, who knows, uh, maybe in the country. So uh, Keith Lamont Scott is this week's headliner of the week. Um, thanks for joining us and listening to Domecast. We'll be back next week with more. Uh, hope to see you then. You've been listening to The Domecast, a production of the News and Observer and the Insider State Government News Service. You can keep up with the conversation by reading Under the Dome in the Daily Print Edition or online at newsobserver.com. The Insider is found online at ncinsider.com.